Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. Shit, that was early. (laughs) (laughs) No! That's that's okay, Ames. It happens to lots of guys. for episode 71 of the podcast. Woo! There it nice. is. That was really good. My name is Caitlin, and with me today, as always, are... I am the passion, the love, the libido, the throbbing erection. I am Jake. I am the poet, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> That's good. And I look good in a beret. This is Chris. I... I'm the... Nope, I got fucking nothing. I got fucking nothing. She's like the balance between the She was the basically the superego? Yeah, she's yeah. the superego. I am the jigsaw puzzle that holds us all together. There we this go. This is Ames. Very nice, guys. That was really good. So today we're here to talk about two Next Generation episodes. Season 2, Episode 5, Loud as a Whisper, and uh, Season 2, Episode 6, The Schizoid Man. In Loud as a Whisper, the Enterprise crew finds themselves going to visit Riva, who is a a deaf mediator who speaks through uh, a chorus of three people who he has had with him for many years and who speak his thoughts. Each of them has a separate function. They're basically the ego, the id, and the superego, as just demonstrated by Jake, Chris, and Ames. They are going to... I don't even know where they're going. Oh, Soleus 5. Okay. They're going to Soleus 5 where a bunch of people are having like a civil war on the planet and they want him to come and mediate for them. But when he gets down to the planet, one of the like ambassadors of one of the sides of people turns traitor and kills his chorus. He is devastated. He is emotional. He is like feeling hopeless and freaking the fuck out. And he can't talk about it with anybody. He can't talk about it until Data goes and learns sign language? Question mark. And (laughs) between Data speaking sign language and Troy being an empath, don't you know, (laughs) she's able to convince him that even though these people did him wrong, he has to find it within himself to help them to, to solve their civil war. Well, also it's finding his own confidence. Right, it's true. It's not that he's not mad at them; he's mad at himself. Well, he's mad that they killed his friends, though. I think he blames himself, though. Like mm. he feels like he failed. Yeah, he said, "I was I was cocky and went down there without thinking it could be bad." And Doing he, a William Hartnell pose, holding the jacket. Mm-hmm. He did it was a good jacket hold. Mm-hmm. There's also a sexy subplot where he and Troy almost get to the bone zone, and Caitlin had a huge lady boner throughout, because that man had swag. So that's basically the whole episode. It was really good. We'll talk about it. I really liked it. The Schizoid Man, oh, as hot as loud as a whisper was, the Schizoid Man was as creepily predatory. I found Data as hot as uh, usual. So. Obviously, but I mean... Okay, so Dr. Ira Graves, he's an old bastard with awful <laughs> teeth, and he's been working on figuring out a way to fuse mankind with machine. And he's got, like, a 21-year-old lab assistant who he wants to fuck like crazy, but who he never made a move on because she was, like, you know, a tenth of his age. Well, and even he recognized that that was kind of fucked up. Yeah, but he doesn't think it's... 
so fucked up that he shouldn't take over Data's body and pursue her that way. Yeah, no, he has some morality, but then it falls to pieces. And basically, so he does exactly that. He, like, tricks Data into, like, telling him where his no-no button is, and he turns him off. And then when he turns him back on again, he's inside of him. That turned him back on again. Are we still doing phrasing? Anyway, uh, Dr. Graves is now in Data's body, and he's disrespecting the captain and creepily hitting on the 21-year-old. She's not, I don't really know that she's 21, but she looked young as shit, and it was gross. He's Um, rude to Wesley, which was hilarious. Yeah, he called him boy. He jumps into Data's body, and he's, like, hitting on his little assistant. She kind of, like, rejects him and rejects the idea of becoming a machine to be with him. And he accidentally breaks her fucking hand. And then he, like, knocks a couple people out in engineering. All mistakes. Then he fucking bitch slaps Picard into a prolonged loss of consciousness. (laughs) And realizes, oh my god, how many more accidents will there be? And expunges himself (laughs) from Data's body. And then Data's all, like the fuck am I doing on the floor with you people standing over me? What's going on? And they're what like, oh, I miss? oh, Data, you're fine. Did we tell you that you drew dicks on everybody's faces? <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk you were. Ha ha ha. And that was the end of the episode. So that's basically it. I think that's probably the most succinct I've ever been in my yeah. explanations of episodes. I also feel like these episodes didn't have like a, a zillion and a half side plots. Yeah, there weren't like lots of side plots. It was nice. There were just a plots. I really liked Loud as a Whisper. I really like both of these episodes. We have we have a recurrent theme this week. Beards. Magnificent, magnificent beards. That's true. <laughs> what was uh the mediator's name? Uh, Riva. 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 Yeah, he had a he had a, a beard and like a one of those quaff. A real a real look going there. Yeah, it was yeah, it was very uh young um oh, what's his name? Got to say Danger Zone. Kenny Loggins. Loggins. How does Danger Zone go? Highway to the Danger Zone. It's not that high, but... Whatever. (laughs) But I'll go with it. Mostly I know it from Archer, so... Um, I choose to believe it's that high. Yeah, it's It's that high. It's a little slower, though. I went to the Danger Zone. (laughs) Sound a little bit like Ricky Gervais in the office when he does the horrible dance. Mm. <laughs> okay. Did he also did Kalos also do the the one that was take it to the limit? The that, limit. That I don't know. <laughs> it's not really that high, Jake. That part is though. It's like background singers. Um, yeah, no, Riva certainly had a look going on with that. With the, you know, it's hard to tell where his quaff ended and his beard began. Who cares? He was he, dreaming. He, he just had eyes peeking out of hair. Basically, yeah. At first I was like, oh, what's up with this guy? And then I was like, oh, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was into it. I don't know. I um, I really liked the scenes with Troy, which is something I never thought I'd say. <laughs> yeah. I liked the scenes with Troy. But, like, I liked the way, first of all, I loved how his boner chorus member was like extremely bonerly like i think that was at first i was kind of like what's up with that and then when they were alone together and having dinner i was just kind of like okay this is kind of nice and then when he left and they were like having nice conversation and he was like communicating without words and she was picking it up and the two of them were getting you know close because they both had this kind of like this emotional connection i don't know guys there was the they knew they were going to bang because all the mediators were out of the room and it's like well I, we we know the one, one common language. 
Yeah, that was funny. Oh my first, God. first he ditches uh, <laughs> Super Ego and Beret, and then and he like, ditches yep. Boner Guy. And they, they say like, "Well, we know that we're not needed, so we're just going to hang out on the bridge, I guess." Well, and the best thing, the, that, this was this was what won me over when he was like, "They'll only be necessary." Until we, like, find a way to communicate or whatever. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, you know, meta. Fuck me, mediator, man. Meta-narratively funny about that scene, of course, is only the people that have been part of the away party would, like, fully understand the significance of the two that stayed behind. Mm. So, like, Picard's just there, like, okay. And then later someone had to go, yeah, the only one he took is his boner. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually surprised that, like, Riker didn't catch on and get really pissed at any point. Because I was really That's expecting usually, a little explosion pissy. from him. He usually gets the kind of intimidated Who's by the other father, men. bitch? Yeah. So Who's he, this Wyatt guy? He has to, has to stand there with Reva and be like, do we need to have a fucking beard off, Sunshine? Reva would win. Let's go. Reva would definitely win. So Reva communicated with his chorus... Telepathically. Telepathically. And Troy can communicate with people telepathically. telepathically. I said the same thing. I feel like, no, I feel like she can, she had, she's an empath. She's not a strict telepath. She she's can te- had a she conversation can... with Riker. And her mom. And her mom. Her mom is related to her. Riker was her Imzadi. But you would think that if they both were very, like, telepathically inclined, they should be able to, like, get well, some kind of HDMI adapter to yeah, make that shit work. I, 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 that's, that's the problem, is his telepathy was PAL and hers was NTSC. That's gotta be it. I don't know, I just think, I think the I mean, writers just want to, I think this is the one of the problems with a lot of Star Trek sometimes, is that the writers only use the powers that... The, the people have when it's convenient. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, well, it's like it's Spock. Just, yeah. We, he had a new superpower every other oh, week well, in yeah. TOS, and then well, we never see them again. There's no Vulcan on board that can mind meld the guy in time. There are. We've seen my, well, Salar on board. won't be on until uh, next episode. Yeah, but she's on the ship. It's not like they went back to Earth and picked up well, new no, Vulcans. Well, picked her up on some uh, <laughs> Vulcan delivery. There's, there's a thousand people <laughs> on the ship. There's a Vulcan. <laughs> somebody, somebody on that ship could have read the mind of Riva, or had a conversation with him telepathically. I mean, if I had to give it an actual sort of in-world explanation, he did say it took years for them to sort of learn how to maybe, communicate. Yeah, they formed so a bond. Maybe yeah. it wasn't telepathy. Maybe it was like pheromonal communication. Maybe, maybe it was through a series of high-pitched micro-farts. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was like the relationship he, he just, between Zephyr felt Cochran the pressure and changes. Cloud or something. Mm. Farts. Like mm. micro farts. What is a micro fart? It's when the anus vibrates at such a such a speed that's imperceptible to the human eye. And largely to the, the human eye. Nose. eye. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Did you say it if you had brown eyes? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> that was a quick one. Well, they are very the quick. <laughs> The speed is so fast, you can't see it even if you got brown eyes. But you can feel the pressure changes in the room through your skin. Yeah, it shoots like a fucking pistol but- shrimp, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you go through lots of pants that way. That's why he wears that cloak. That's flowing cloak. <laughs> he has to hold. And he's holding it because he's like... He doesn't want it to blow away with his microphones. His pistol shrimp microphones. <laughs> If you take a fucking sentence of this out, I swear, you have to leave 
Uh, you will, because you like fart jokes. It's okay if it's fart jokes. So, <laughs> what I found interesting about this episode was that... Hold on, hold on. You know, I feel like when people talk about TNG and why they love it, they just, you know, it's about ideas and talking issues through and this and that. And I feel like this is sort of one of the first sort of more successful ones we've had since we started. You know, there were a few of these earlier, but they always... At solving a problem, or... <laughs> Just all of it. The sort of the bigger ideas and okay. talking things through and all that. The very... Yeah, they were successful except for when that fucking random alien blew away all of the mediators. Well, course. right, but they didn't then resort to, well, we're just gonna start threatening people back. <laughs> Time to nuke it from orbit. Yeah, you know, it's like, what was it, General Order 24 or whatever? Yeah. Give them a Vulcan hello. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like there were a few of those. I can't think of off the top of my head which ones they were, but I feel like they always had that sort of... There's always some kind of fatal season one flaw. This one, I I think, was very successful. It felt... The only issue I had was parts felt a little rushed here and there. Mm. I don't know how you could have fixed it. Like, there really wasn't a lot of fat on the episode that you could well, have trimmed. There was one... The, there was a weird scene, a weird B-plot that popped up for one scene. Oh, yeah! That could have gone. And it never got resolved. And we'll never see again. And we'll never see again. Which where, one? Where Pulaski, I, have, I have a note on that. Pulaski mm. offers to Jordy to replace... Oh, to replace his eyes. To replace his eyes. And he's, and he's like, I'll think about it. And she, like, smiles creepily yeah. to the camera, like, yeah. breaking the fourth wall. See, I forgot about that, so you could totally just and then that. like, yeah. And then it never comes back up. What's your note? Like? My note is, LeVar Burton asked for that specifically because he was looking for a way to actually have his character use his eyes because LeVar Burton, as a human being, has very expressive eyes. Yeah. Very pretty. He has very pretty eyes. He does have pretty eyes. He does. He does. My crush for LeVar Burton is rising again. And well, it's I guess they... my leg games, so... <laughs> Bop. And I think they were looking for a way to set up just in case they did go that, go that route, but they ended up not doing it at all. I mean, that would have been really... I feel like just having Jordy on the show, being someone with a accessibility accoutrementation yeah with a thing, need with a, yeah. yeah well and especially after this seems like the most inappropriate episode to do it as well yeah. because the whole thing is like Riva's like it's good that you recognize that like everyone has something to offer regardless of you know like I'm deaf you're blind but we still have lots to like that it, it felt so <laughs> yeah they even, like why they did even you have... do this do it another episode yeah, and like, they talked about it here. they talked about it earlier like you know does it bother you and Jordan's like why would it bother me it's no I like who I am, who I am. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really didn't. I yeah, didn't, like I, I think, didn't like that as as part of this episode. If he at had, all. if he had Wish specifically turned Pulaski's offer down instead of being like, maybe, yeah, I never thought of it. It was never an option before, right? Because he could have been like, I'm actually happy with who I am. Yeah, like I literally just talked about this with someone. Yeah, my my sight is different than yours. I have a different way of, of they, seeing. They also and it's put it. They also, I think, away team missions. Too. I, that too. I think they subverted that a little bit though by having. It's specifically acknowledged in dialogue that he's in constant pain mm. because of it. Oh, was yeah, that mentioned right. this episode? Or was she it did. Yeah, she she did. mentioned it. Yeah, this is uh, the second time they brought it up in two fucking so, like, 30 episodes. Yeah, it's one thing to be yourself and to embrace your disability, but it's another thing to be in constant pain because of it. And that, if there's an option to fix that. Yeah, like I think if they had even just left it at, you know, her first thing, which was. You know, I can give you 
dummy eyes that work like the visor, basically. Then you could have kind of avoided that, why this episode of but all the vi- things? But the visor is also such a cool prop. It they is. Should, they, ha- they can't get rid of it because it's so great. Yeah. But I bet you, like, I never researched this, but I, I'm imagining it was difficult for LeVar Burton to see through. Oh, probably. almost <laughs> certainly. Like, yeah. like, I feel like, like it probably was, was not great to wear around the set. It was probably the opposite of the problem Adam West had in Batman. He could Wait, see too forever? Much. He saw too much of Robin. No, he could only see straight ahead. You know, he said in an interview once he could <laughs> not, like, he had no peripheral vision. Oh. And he said any time going downstairs in that cowl was just a leap of faith. How much of a leap of faith is that? I, oh God, I hope I remember how to go downstairs. I mean, by like knowing Adam where West, the step though, is. I mean. <laughs> oh, may he rest in peace. But, oh yeah. Poor Adam West. But, uh, but no, like knowing where the step was, he could have easily misstepped and taken a tumble. Gone ass going, over on the, tea going on the back poles even harder. Yeah. Where's the ground gonna be? Yeah. But, um, I imagine. You think Adam West did his own stunts? At the very least, he probably The pole is easy. But, um, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I imagine, you know, LeVar Burton probably had trouble seeing straight ahead, but I bet could maybe kind of see above and below. Like, oh yeah, this is fucking useful. Yeah, I'm sure, like, whenever he wasn't directly in the shot, the the glasses were off. Oh yeah. I mean, to be fair, it could have been worse. He could have actually seen through them like Jordy fucking sees through them. (laughs) That's true. Never see what Brent Spiner looks like. He's just, like, on a fucking LSD trip. But yeah, no, overall, like I said, it was really quite good. It, it, it did, like I said, there were aspects of it that felt a little, you know, they were kind of fighting a fact they only had so long. I don't know what I, you're talking about. I would have liked to have spent more time dealing with the aftermath of the loss of the chorus. Hmm. Like, I think that's one, that if you would cut the whole awkward Geordie scene and lengthen that, because it feels like it was sort of, he had this extreme reaction, which was appropriate, but then his recovery felt a little hurried. I think they, there's... Uh, a reason for that and that's because they had to they rewrote that scene the day before shooting it because originally the resolution and I love the resolution they have the resolution they have where they're they're trying to teach how to communicate to the two warring tribes Mm. with Riva is is a really amazing way to get them peacified yeah the original ending was that Riva would just learn to speak Oh, which God. Which is the most ableist shit you can come up with. Yeah, that would and, have undercut everything. And the actor, uh, Howie Sego, who was actually a deaf uh, actor, oh. basically said, no, can we change it to anything else? Because that's kind of offensive. It is interesting. To, I didn't know he was actually deaf. That's, that's nice. Because even to this day, you rarely have characters with disabilities portrayed by someone who actually has that disability. Yeah, yeah. He came to Star Trek specifically... With the idea of doing a, an episode with a deaf a deaf character, mm. God, no, and I just love him. Up with. I just love him more I mean, now. Star Trek, though, I mean, they actually do most of the time go out of their way to find actors who have the you know whatever the disability is. Like I don't know if you know this, but Patrick Stewart is actually bald. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a that's not a bald cap. He actually has no hair, and never has, and never has, <laughs> and never has. I just really and, he, and they and they have him rise to the rank of captain. Of a spaceship. A bald man. <laughs> it's incredible. But yeah, I like this episode. Yes. Anyway. But I agree. And actually, I mean, honestly, I sort of would have liked to have seen him in action on the planet on take two. But we mm. definitely didn't have enough time for that. And I also would have liked to have seen him balls deep in Troy. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if he survived the negotiations. Oh, goodness, no. 
Like, they probably showed right up. Man, those fucking weapons that they had, they're yeah, like, what the hell? They slay you first, that effect, and that then effect evaporate you? That, that caught me super yeah. off guard. Well, it was like... They realized after conspiracy, yeah, and yeah. they blew a fucking uh, Remick's head to pieces, they were like, well, we got we got past that. Let's do more! Yeah, let's see what else we can get away with. That was some Mars attack shit, only more gruesome. It looked yeah. great, though. I was yeah, actually it was a good really... effect. Well, again, I don't... But the problem is, I don't know if what we're watching is the original effect. No, they didn't redo... Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah they oh, didn't redo... That's, oh, that's even more mind-blowing, guys. This was January 1989. Mm. Fucking... Emperor Snokes, or whatever the fuck his name is, from <laughs> Star Wars isn't going to age this well. Like, mm. 27, 8, 9, 29 years from now? Holy shit, 29 years, dude. We're old. Anyway, but what I'm saying is, Snokes looked bad on day one. This shit looks great 29 years later. Yeah. I'm just saying, that's some impressive staying power. Yeah, no, but it really was. That did. I, like, I'm just used to people on Star Trek either being vaporized or just falling over dead. Yeah. I'm not used to, as you put it, flayed first, and then their skeleton disappears. Like, Jesus! Yeah, no, it was, yeah. It was gruesome. At least it was quick. I don't think they'd even register the pain in time. I'd hope not. Fuck. Actually, due to due to the nature of the weapon, it feels like five hundred years. There no. some, there's some weapon. I think it's in a future TNG episode that someone describes as being like, "Oh, it's not just gonna kill you. It's gonna make you. It's gonna be like the worst pain ever, <laughs> and then it will kill you." It'll be like the the original version of City on the Edge of Forever, where you're just blowing up forever in a supernova. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be like the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> I, bet a, I bet it's a Romulan weapon. It feels like something they'd have. No, nah, it was like I think it was the there was a guy that, like. Oh yeah, they're pretty. There's a creepy guy that does mean things to Data. Oh, no! that guy. Okay, yeah, I vaguely who would do that anything story. bad to Data? Oh, Grandpa. This asshole. Grandpa. Yeah, that's true. And you can call him Grandpa. We'll get to that though. So yeah, okay. How hard would it have been to teach Brent Spiner some sign language for like the two shots that he needed to know it? Was he not actually doing sign language? Well, no. I mean, he was. He, I'm sure he was. Doing actual signs that he learned, but I recognized "thank you," but I don't know enough. It looked signs. like he was not like he was not keeping up with the conversation at all. It so was, like he did like two signs, but and it was then also stopped. pointless because the guy can apparently you know he can expertly read lips. Yeah, and he was looking at Picard, so Data was just there in the background, Data's, flailing Data's, for no reason. Yeah. I liked when in the beginning when they first meet how Reva was like you know you should direct your conversation to me like I'm oh, yeah, talking yeah. to you I was like yes but that's he was really awesome. he was really kind of mean about it he was like really like here was, angry here was my about question it. my question because they, they meet up with Reva on his planet and there no one has known that he's deaf yeah and even though he's even this... though he, he he got some kind of peace treaty thing with the Klingons, which I think gets contradicted by a future episode, but whatever. So they, like, he's a known figure among the Federation. Well, and yeah. his whole family has been deaf, it sounded like. The ruling yeah. class. Yeah. Also, they didn't do their yeah, they homework. they said he negotiated peace treaties between the Federation and the Klingons. Yeah. Ever, that was Curzon Dax that did that. I don't know why Ooh. they're giving... That, that reminds Friday. me, though. I realize that's... Right. Picard led the away mission, so he did know from the off. It's that's why he wasn't all flipped out. Riker didn't know that guy was the boner. What? Riker didn't go on the initial oh, right, away mission to meet Reva, where they explained who they were. That's why Riker wasn't... Probably after they left, Picard went, by the way, we're number one. Just That's the boner. Even without knowing, though, that one of them was the boner, probably Riker would have just been butthurt because oh, yeah, was, totally, she was having but, dinner with a guy. Two guys. Would've, he would have been even more butthurt if he'd realized that. Well, Troy was pretty butthurt later that day. If you know what I mean. <laughs> wow. Fisting. We did fisting. Oh. 
I thought you just were suggesting maybe there was anal sex. Um, <laughs> Don't I, ruin their beautiful love for me. I loved it. I they yeah, you were for, really for me. They like made love on like a bed of rose petals, and it was just gorgeous. Yeah, there, there were like of, angels singing and shit. There was a lot mm. of talk of oh, he's got to get his confidence back after the thing happened, and I'm gonna be like, he can get his confidence back by begging Troy. Yeah. Oh, that but would I, help everyone. That that was the point we got side sidetracked from. Is I feel like his his sort of like his anger though was justified, you know. Which it's probably anger? his you know address me directly because uh, probably his whole life he's dealt with people trying to talk to the chorus first. Yeah, but I still, I don't know. I feel like uh, you, know, you know it's like a thing. Like it, a obviously they didn't know he was deaf, right? Like, well, yes, but by this point they'd explained what was going on. There was a point. I could, I, I could when. If if Why somebody not? did that to me, if somebody if if, if somebody if I if you know if I interact was ad- interacting with somebody for the first time and I addressed their translator or interpreter or whoever you know whatever the context and, and then they snapped at me, I'd be like fuck you, you're an asshole. I made a mistake. You can correct me and be like no, please address it to me. But if you're like please address it to me, yeah, but he's also yeah! like Picard is you know he's a starship captain, he's a diplomat, he should know better. I mean it's. <sighs> It's even, st- like you said, to use the, the example of, like, even, at, let's say, where someone isn't deaf, let's say there's a language interpreter, you're still supposed to uh, look at the person you're speaking to, and the interpreter kind of hovers off to the side to... Yeah, but it's still... It's, I, I'm, I'm saying, I think that the, the tone mm. was an overreaction to the offense. Well, and maybe that was a foreshadowing of his lack of confidence, yeah. like... I think maybe. I think he does not strike me as someone who would be a good conflict mediator, based on the fact that... He flipped out at a slight minor offense, inadvertent offense, and the second his posse disappears, he turns into a jerkwad. And well, that's I mean that that is one problem is, is we if the don't... three of us got shot in front of you, you wouldn't flip out a little, especially I'd flip if out, but he was still you know. know. That thing we do we don't get to see him in action is the one major sort of downside. He's, like, he's supposed to be the best of the best, right? Yeah. But he I can see in like the, in the briefing, he's like, I don't even have to hear anymore. I know the situation. Yeah, which I mean, in his reasoning made sense. They've now been at war so long; it's just personal. My opinion of this guy has gone down considerably since we started this conversation. Oh, I love him. Well, again, because I, here's the thing, right? He was so fucking cocky. Like, first of all, he was. He kind admitted of, he was cocky. Well, yeah. At the end, <laughs> like, I think this is I, this is a story about someone learning a little bit of humility at the cost of three other people's lives. Really, four people if you count the shooter. I know. Like, really, that's what it took for this guy to realize that his shit didn't stink. Or, I mean, or that it did. Or that it did. J- Jim Kirk had to lose his best friend, his ship. You know, murder a bunch of Klingons. Mitchell. Mitchell. <laughs> and he still never, I think, by the time he croaks, learned that his shit didn't stink. I'm just saying, as far as... His shit did Yeah, stink. we keep fucking up the, the... He thought his shit didn't stink, he discovered that it did. Right. That was the undiscovered Kurt. country. <laughs> See, I don't even think then he fully, you know, he still <laughs> cheated. Yes, I think it would have been nice to maybe get to see the guy really in action in some way. Because mm. you're right, we only see him, like, you know, understandably really lose his shit. Because he didn't just lose, you know, three friends. He lost, like... He was bonded to them. Yeah, yeah. They had the, a bond. it was a relationship that I don't think, you know... I got the impression they'd been around his whole life. Probably, yeah. They'd probably all been raised together. Also, you know, they also explained how the, the chorus was like, 
some sort of slave class that had been like that was their their family that their family had been serving his family forever and i actually thought that was weird too because i i I feel like i actually commented on that like i i actually sort of expected i expected the episode to go in a different way because i expected them to be like you know you should really learn to do this yourself and actually or treat us better maybe now that i'm actually thinking about it what's interesting about that is like so as you know i work in accessibility and one of the one of the key things about accessibility is trying to give the person with need the most independence they can have. So like this this concept of him having a chorus of like three people to speak for him, it, it feels like I don't know, it's like completely out of line with what you would actually want to do for someone who is deaf. Yeah. Like you would want to teach them ways to ways to give them that confidence to cope like with their own stuff, like knowing sign language, like Knowing, I mean, he does know sign language. Well, yeah, but I mean, like they specify he can't uh, write. He can't write. Picard asks if he'll write something, and and he and he doesn't know how to read and write. Does he not? I thought he was just like unwilling to deal with anything at that moment. It was. I think I read that there was a a cut. Oh, a cut scene that explained that he couldn't read and write, but and they kept that snippet of it when when Picard asked him to. And a lot of the time, because like. ASL syntax and the way it works is so different than like yeah. English spoken language. A lot of the time, deaf people can write, but it won't necessarily track exactly the way it would if it was spoken. But yeah, I, I really thought they were going to be like, well, you shouldn't be using slave labor just because you're deaf. Like, that's well, what I kind I mean, of thought. Yeah, because that is kind of the imp- that's the implication, right? That he's like some, he comes from some wealthy. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing, is royal, he comes from like royal. Line. In, inbred family. Yeah. I said that too. Well, I was they, like, oh, because you're so you're inbred. Yes, well, it makes perfect. They make the comparison to Han- of, Hannibal, right? Well, Hanover. Han- oh, Hanover. Han- Hannibal and be having yeah, murderous. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah I know. With uh, what was it? Hemophilia. Yeah, Hannibal. Hemophilia. Yeah. Oh, you're thinking of Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Oh, I, I was thinking. thinking of Hannibal I was thinking. Of oh, yeah. No, I went for the Lecter. one who brought the elephants over the mountains. Or yeah, I, I I did not think of that Hannibal. That, That's what that I thought time. he was talking about. Uh, and of course, the Hannibals ha- are there. The Habsburg jaw. Two. I imagine like part of that comes from the fact though that he was from the ruling class, which generally speaking, at least based on our society, which let's be honest, all science fiction is based on in some way, shape, or form, the whole point of being the ruling class is to do as little as you, for yourself as realistically mm. possible anyway. So in a weird way, it makes sense that the ruling class would be like, no, no, I'm not going to learn how to make myself more independent. I'm going to surround myself with a retinue of people but to then, speak for But then me. why have a job? He's got a job. Sort of, th- yeah, right? he's prob- but he's probably like, here's probably what it is. Here's my prediction. That he, you know, he he he's the younger brother, maybe, and it's like his. And he's and, gonna go marry his, a movie star. Well, and his parents are like, "Well, we gotta give him something to do." You know what? Let's have him go be a a, a conflict mediator. And the dad's like, "You know, he really he, he would suck at that because he's got that really short temper. He's always yelling at people, and they talk to his interpreter by accident." Well, he's like, "Okay, well, you know what we'll do? We'll just hire the three best." conflict negotiators in the galaxy <laughs> and teach them to commute to be able to communicate with him but then whenever they go on a on a mission they'll just negotiate the treaty themselves yikes sounds good that's my prediction and that's why he, he knew as soon as they got shot there's no way he was going to be able to complete those negotiations and then Troy like talked him into it mm. made him feel guilty you're right and now he's definitely going to die and now he's definitely going to yeah, die he's dead that's too bad you think they'll have left like Somebody. Yeah, I was surprised that like everybody was beamed up. Yeah, just like even just have an extra in a uniform. You know, I mean, I feel like the original Enterprise they were 
dropping people off well, left yeah, and right. Yeah. They had what's his name stay with Baylock. Um, Baylock. They had the other guy who stayed behind on um, Festival Planet to help them sort of rebuild in the wake of losing Landrew. Mm. Uh, you know, I just feel like they, that was a, that was not abnormal. It's like, all right, we're gonna leave a couple people with you, or at least like have at least stick around until the negotiations start, like hide yeah. in the brush or something, yeah. in yeah. case they need to like extract well, him. Plus, I mean, thing one is he's gonna have to teach him how to communicate. But I mean, for that first night, who does he stay with? That's gonna that in and of itself is a huge political issue. Yeah, there's only two sides. Sleep yeah. under the table. Yeah, seriously, had a big hole in the middle, so hopefully it doesn't rain. Mm. But yeah, we're actually, I mean, I assume we don't, but it would be nice to have actually, like, if there was ever follow-up on this episode. Oh, yeah. uh, we never uh, see him again. I assume not. I don't know. That makes I me like sad. I love Reva. Uh, no, the, the one issue I had, which has nothing to do with the episode, was just the whole time I kept almost hearing it as Reba. And I just imagined, McIntyre. like, a version of this with right. Reba McIntyre. But dressed as, as the, the colonel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right, she's the colonel right now. Yeah. The, the top of the episode, there was a point where, where Riker is just fingering his beard lovingly. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Riker is really enjoying that his character has a beard now. And then we get into Schizoid Man, and Data's got a beard that he gets to finger as well. Yeah. When I stroke it thusly. <laughs> <laughs> Do I, I not look more okay intellectual? It. No, it was a bad beard. No, I like it. Well, it just looked like Riker's beard. I, mean, I would have liked to no, no, be his own fake beard. glued on beard. Well, that's the problem. Someone just faking glued on, which I mean, that much was obvious, but it wasn't even consistent. There was one, it was kind of patchy in places. It I was didn't like, even notice it. Yeah, no, there's... You, you don't see, you only see it through the reflection. Right? Yeah, but no, there's one point where you can really tell that it's, they had Some fucked up somehow. Some people have naturally no, patchy beards. Well, right, but they, Data wouldn't they, do that. No, but I think, I think, I think that was kind of the joke of the whole thing, was that, like, Data was doing the teenager, oh, I find, I can grow a mustache, yeah. so I'm going to grow this really shitty mustache. And it would make sense that you base it off Rikers because it was the yeah. beard he had the most experience with. So, like, I, I'm, I think the joke was that, oh, Data, you think that having this beard is going to make you seem like people? <laughs> like people. Yeah. So we got we got Grandpa here, old Grandpa. That was some good casting. You know, they did a good job of getting a guy who just seemed like affable enough, but when he turned creepy, you were just like, yeah, this doesn't seem weird. Mm. What was the point? Of that whole stupid near warp beam. The what? To kill oh, time. Yeah, yeah, to I pad think... the episode. Well, but you think they could have just? I think it was, I think a lot of it was, was also like we need ways to include more tension. I guess, and, but it was. Oh, we have to we have to go do deal with a different thing and take Pulaski. You get a different doctor because we don't want to give Pulaski airtime. So there's yeah, there's two reasons why I think that could have happened. A. Pula- they didn't have, like, Pulaski couldn't shoot that week or something, so mm. they had to be like, oh, we still need the doctor because it's a, specifically a medical mission. Yeah. But then I think the second, much more likely reason is because it wouldn't be realistic for Graves to be hitting on Pulaski because she looks like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. But he looked She's like a- the Crypt Keeper's grandfather, so <laughs> well, she yes. still would, you know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Pulaski. Or Diana Mulder. Well, she's not unattractive. She's, very she's but actually I, really good-looking. But she's a thousand years old. <laughs> she's like fifty. The way you could describe she was it in an episode of the original series, which two. means two. She, she was in two episodes of the original, which means she's at least eighty by the time. No, she's not. It no. was twenty-five years before. No, it was like a hundred years. It's, it's <laughs> the next. It's a hundred years difference between TOS. And the TV. more charitable way to put it would just be that we know that Grandpa likes him younger than we she wanted, is. We wanted a hot, sexy Vulcan. Is what we wanted. 
A hot, sexy Vulcan who doesn't act very well. She acted like a neither. Vulcan. That's neither the did the fucking. She was terrible. The assistant oh, the was ward. awful. I was no, like, I've, I've said this about Vulcans before. I think I we mentioned this when we were talking about the movies, the TOS movies. Is you can either act like a Vulcan or act badly and try to write it off as a, as acting like a, a Vulcan. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's very easy to confuse Vulcan acting with bad acting. I yeah. also kind of wonder. There's a very, very fine line. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think you have to be either a really good actor. You either, you either have to be Zachary Quinto or Leonard Nimoy. I mean, I'd say the, the actors who have convincingly played Vulcans, in my opinion, are Leonard Nimoy, Mark Leonard, Zachary Quinto, Tim Russ. Is Tim Russ Tuvok? I yeah. think it's Quinto. Okay, he's good. And, uh, is it Quinto? I'm pretty sure it's I Quinto. It was Quinto. Like Quintas. I met him. Did you? And, uh, and his dogs. <gasps> oh, what kind of dogs? Things. Tell uh, me about the dogs. A big dog and a little dog. I don't remember exactly that's, what kind of dogs they were, but I met Savick them after. Uh, there, whatever her name is. Not Robin. Christy Alley. Christy Alley? No, that wasn't Robin. What was that woman's name? Robin something. Curtis. Right? Curtis. Robin Curtis. Yeah, Robin Wright's a completely different person. But yeah, at the I saw him in the Glass Menagerie at the ART, and then afterwards oh. I met him, and it was fantastic. Who? Zachary Quinto. Oh, Quinto. And his dogs. I think Jolene Blaylock did pretty well as well. Yeah, I think she came into it eventually. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's how it is with a, you know, you, you, you need a while to find your character's legs regardless of what the show is. True. I like Discovery's Sarek in spite Actually, of the fact that he's not very Mark Leonard-ish. I'm going to take that back. I don't think Zachary Quinto... I mean, okay, mm, this is tough because I think that the writing for Spock in those films is atrocious mm. and is not how Spock would act ever. Mm. Like, I think that that is the thing that I... Anything else you could point out is being stupid about those movies, and there's lots of things you can. The giant inflatable hand, <laughs> the fucking uh, lens flares, the fact that everything is wrong, and they didn't understand Star Trek when they made them. The thing that pisses me off the most is the writing for the Spock character. So, I, so yeah, maybe Zachary Quinto actually does do a pretty good job with what he's given, but my God, they did not understand that character. Or the source. Material. What are you talking about? Spock in the original series was always making out with women and bitch slapping Kirk punching and... people and yeah. screaming. <laughs> uh, but back to this Vulcan. This Vulcan. Yeah, I also Vulcan around. I also kind of <laughs> wonder if... Like this that. is pawn far enough. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I also kind of... Good high five. Yeah. Wonder if maybe part of the impetus was they were hedging their bets if Pulaski didn't catch on. And it was early, though. This is the fucking sixth episode. They haven't given her a ch- anything to do yet. Right, well, and they're just, they're just, they're not saying they're not going to She got kidnapped by, by, by... Moriarty. Moriarty. Yeah. stuffed her full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what I'm saying, though. They're just like... Which is my favorite you They're like, we don't know sex. the reaction yet, but we're into this. Or if they were just like... One of the episodes she was even in. Yeah. Or they're just like, you know, we don't have a regular Vulcan. Do we need one? And then somebody went, you have data. And they went, oh, right. <laughs> so we never see her again until the New Frontier books where she's a major character. Yeah, I feel like, well, I feel like later they'll replace the secondary doctor character. They'll have Ogawa. Yeah. Kind of becomes this, she's, yeah. yeah. Well, she's a nurse, but same deal. Yeah. Well, um, that's what it was. It was sort of an attempt to make a chapel, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think Ogawa. Does she, she lust after role. Data? No. So yeah, so this episode, though. Ivor's a creep. I think, you know, in classic, as you pointed out before, Ames, in classic uh, fashion, Brent Spiner, again, like Leonard Nimoy before him, was clearly having a lot of fun getting to break character. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't say this today, but okay. No, but you've said in the past. Oh, in the, yeah, okay. Like, you've said before how, like, both of them, like, when Spock got to be not Spock. Yeah, yeah. When Brent Spiner... And they get to, play, like, play their reign. They clearly yeah. get have a lot of fun. Like, when he was lore, and when Nimoy was possessed by a glowy bulb, and things yeah, like this was, that. This brain, was very brain, Return to brain. Tomorrow. Yeah. It was, it was very much. Yeah, in some Sar- ways. Sar- and there was also Diana Muldor. Sar- yeah. Yeah. Brief, briefly, Diana Muldar. Yeah, but she was barely in it. What that, is. that was the one where Sargon, the big, the big orbs, the that orbs. had the beings in them, and one took over Kirk, one yeah. took over Spock. Oh, yeah, 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 they yeah, used, yeah, they yeah, used them as vessels. They used Pulaski as and, and Spock's was gonna like be like, fuck that. Let's just keep these bodies and yeah, betray these people. Yeah, like, Spock, yeah. Spock then Spock hid out in Chapel's mind for a little while. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. But uh, this, yeah, this was it was very much. In the spirit of Return to Tomorrow, so it's interesting that they didn't have like they could have played they could have played up having uh, Diana Muldar on the mm. show to make that connection. I noticed that Diana Muldar is not in the opening credits. She's she's a, a special, special guest. guest. She's yeah. credited as special guest star. So I wonder Which if they Pulaski. Yeah. Oh. I wonder if they figure if they figure that this was only going to be a short term thing or what. Hmm. Maybe they were because I think we did say at one point you know it felt like with season one they should have had a regular chief engineer. But it felt like you didn't necessarily need a regular doctor because <laughs> mm. of how little they wrote for her to do, really. Yeah, I mean, you do need... That's an important character It is, the but they weren't proving it. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, I guess, I mean, in a sense, I mean, Discovery doesn't really have a, a regular doctor. The, the, the doctor that they, you know, that's featured most on the show, is, I don't even think he was supposed to be the CMO. I think he was just a doctor. Yeah, it's a little vague. I don't think, like... But there certainly isn't a trifecta. No. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, not Getting, getting back. I so I feel like as we're talking about doctors and the role of the doctor, like, we, we, I know they're trying to Pulaski fill the McCoy role of having, you know, a fucking character. Yeah. But in this episode, it was very funny because I thought Graves was doing a better job being McCoy-like mm. than Pulaski ever does. That's And that when he's talking with Data and, and he's kind of ribbing on her, like, oh, so you're like a fake, fake thing, huh? Interesting. Let's... Let's have interesting banter about it. Yeah. Well, I think what and helps And call me is, Grandpa. Well, I think it helps that Graves, you know, does take Data seriously as a being because of the nature of his work. Do you notice that his planet's name is Graves World? That's very TOS. Party yeah. time, excellent. Sherman's planet. Yeah, <laughs> just like, he's there. He's the only one there. Well, what him, is, him and his, his uh, ward. Secretary. Yeah. But I think that's the creepy thing. She was his ward first. Yeah, that is creepy. Wait, was she? That from, was the from, like, Oh, I was age. just kidding when I said that she was his ward. No, no, she was his ward. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Like, his father still... died when he, she was wicked young. There was something very Phantom of the Opera-y about it as well, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and that's it. If she was the ward if he was the mm. one who was like raising her and like a- yeah. acting as a father figure and then becoming like creepily obsessed with her there is like... actually there is a lot of TOS in this one too just again the like the lone person on a planet that's just theirs mm. uh, it feels like oh um Requiem for Methuselah mm. yeah you know, he's there with his like series of women he's trying to make for himself but this time, they're both actually real, and he's trying to turn them both into robots. Yeah, you know what else it reminded me of? What was the episode with the bad makeup from this season, from last season? It was on my bottom three list, and I've forgotten the name of it. Too short a season. It reminded oh, yeah. me of oh. that a little because, you know, it's Professor What's-His-Nut aging backwards. Lazarus? No. <laughs> oh, um, Admiral Jameson. Admiral Jameson, Jameson. there it is. And he tries to convince his hot wife, say, you should do it with me. I have enough meds for you, too. Or I could get them. Graves tries to say the same thing to the hot mm. secretary, like, hey, 
you could have a body and live forever too. And she's like, I don't want that. No one wants that. Yeah, That's this a is terrible a, thing. This is a more successful attempt at a similar idea. Yeah, this I think. like I just say like I agree. Graves super creepy, but what an interesting oh yeah character for the show. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like a like this like I don't know, and it was very consistently written from the start of the episode to the end, which I liked. Is you know his cockiness. And it built. It built very nicely. Like, yeah. You know, to speak to of know people, him yeah. was to love yeah. him. I mean, here's, here's another example of someone who thinks their shit don't stink. Yeah. You know, in that Ray's, he thinks he's the smartest person that's ever lived. Oh, yeah. I taught suing everything he knows. And then, you know, with the with the ward, stepdaughter, whatever she is to him, like, you can kind of, in his mind, in his, like, in his mind, he's the fucking greatest thing on the planet. And there's... He's the only thing on the planet. Well, it's Ray's world. The old, He's... Like, he is God's gift to the galaxy. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that everyone that does meet him is like, oh my God, you're Ira Graves. Yeah. You're th- they refer to him in fucking Pulaski's little medical log at the opening, like, the greatest human mind, not just in the Federation or the galaxy. In the, the universe. Which is interesting because they've met the Traveler, so... Like, the she wasn't there for that one. That's true. Did you say human mind? But also, also that, the traveler's yes. not human yet. That's true. Yeah. He's from SETI Alpha. Six. No, he's from a <laughs> Tau Alpha C. Something like that. Yeah. This is SETI Alpha five. Oh, God. SETI Speaking Alpha of Pulaski's log, did anyone else notice the terrible blue screen trick they used in the opening? Oh, when they were, like, standing in front of the... No. So I when, noticed something, I but I can't attention. remember what it was. Oh, when she came off the turbo lift. When she goes onto it and then comes off. They wanted but it I to be it was, like... I actually thought it looked really good. Like for, If you noticed it, then it wasn't that good. Well, I just... I, was, I saw it I was like, oh, well, that's... I'm glad they did it. Hmm. I don't think it was... I think for... We're seeing it in HD. I think it would have worked a lot Wait, better. So what exactly so she, did she, they do? They, they, it was a single shot of her going into the turbo lift from one deck. And then... Oh, opening onto opens, another deck. Oh, that's cool. Deck, Which, yeah, because normally they have to cut away first. Yeah, yeah of course. But, uh, it, it was mostly successful. It was even like a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Yeah. But there was a moment right when she stepped onto the turbo lift where it was obviously a blue screen effect and mm. that kind of shattered it. And again, it was that one shot where just for one second the effect blipped. And again, had I even just literally blinked at the right time? Wouldn't have noticed. I would say I have been actually really impressed with the compositing in the in the show. Yeah, yeah, it's been mostly good. And like in the last episode, I think yeah, it was when they were in the conference room. They're at warp, and yeah, there was the stars out the window, and there was accurate reflections of the stars on the glass table from mm. out the window. Oh, I didn't notice that. Was, you should have pointed out that. that. That was well done. That is something <clears> cool. Which, yeah. is, for which, which is pretty hard to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially you on know, a, analog. Yeah. Well, they had to actually get the stars whipping by in the scene. Yeah, That's they right. actually just had to build a version of the conference that could and, fly in space at warp. And Elon Musk was like 20. <laughs> yeah, no, it's super impressive. And she's probably younger than that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, um, yeah, and, you know, going back to Ira Graves, so, you know, he thinks that he's God's gift to the universe. Yeah. And in his mind, I'm sure he imagines the only reason this beautiful woman doesn't want him is because of his failing old man body. Yeah. And that if only he could have a sexy young robot body with a giant cock. Yeah. That she would be all over him. Because who, why wouldn't she? You know, obviously they were meant for each other. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, obviously. By virtue of being the only two people on the planet and all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
when your options are limited, you know. That poor woman, like, how fucked up is she going to be? She's going to need years yeah. of therapy just because her only social example has been this one fucking egotistical maniac. Yeah. Like, she's going to need years to learn how to actually integrate with normal society. Yeah, but hopefully we never have to see it because she was terrible. Yeah, no, she was not good. <laughs> yeah, she was not good. I was just like, she wasn't. Do you want to try that again? She wasn't quite that terraformer lady bad, but she was bad. Yeah. Oh god, that lady. Which one? From Home Soil. With the little us, lights. Who taught us what terraforming was like? Yeah. Oh yeah. And she then was and bad. then wept uncontrollably at the thought of something or other. Yeah. That's the thing, like, this blonde lady was so bad, I didn't even necessarily notice that Salar wasn't any good. I just thought she was being a Vulcan. Mm. So. I think, really, it was just in Marina Sirtis' contract that they had to, they, like, were required to hire worse actors than her. Oh, no. Who's that again? Troy. 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 I she really, should, I really should learn their names yeah. one of these days. She didn't days. have a ton to do this episode, which was stupid, because she probably should have been able to pick up that there was something weird with data. She sort she did. of did. She did. She I also, how can she read an android? I don't get that. I get that he's positronic, so he's half biological if the script calls for it mm. sometimes. But it was still just like, he should just be a blank slate to her. Well, I, I that's actually, there's some interesting... Oh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> There are some interesting, uh, I don't know, thoughts in this episode about the nature of data that I was thinking about a lot. Do tell. So, the implication is he that is that uh, <laughs> data's he wasn't getting there fast enough. Uh, data's brain, data's personality quirks, his lack of emotion, his inability to speak like a person is all sort of like a limitation of his hardware. Mm. But I think what we learned from this episode is that it's actually all a software limitation. That he that his positronic brain, evidently, is fully capable of supporting a human consciousness complete with emotion yeah. and erections yeah. and things that empaths can pick up on. Yeah. But just that the software that Soong wrote for him wasn't very good at it. Right. Well, and because when he did, as we saw, when he did write software that was closer to human, it went crazy. Yeah. Well, also, and also, I mean, there's, you know, evil. It hasn't come up yet, but eventually there's the concept of an emotion chip. Yeah. uh, That soon has created. Is that like when you put a sound card into your computer? That's basically how it's operating. What kind of of dip comes with that chip? Um, Oh. And like, it's. it's, But it's basically like. He's already got I it. always kind of thought of the emotion chip as being like a hardware upgrade, but it's probably just like a software yeah. upgrade, you know? Like, yeah. Give him some more RAM. Yeah. Oh, speaking of data's emotions, did you notice that in the, what did they fucking call it? The psychotronic stability examination that they did on him, they had some pictures of Yar. They had pictures of all kinds of shit. They had pictures of the Genesis, Genesis wave. Yep. The no, Genesis just, effect. Yeah, there were a couple different Genesis Yeah, they like just went into their, their, in their video archive and pulled a bunch of shit. But Maybe no, I missed... shot Genesis up I missed Yar. I missed Yar. Maybe. Yar's a nice touch. <laughs> that, yeah, I liked that. Because they probably would have expected him to react a certain way to that image, which Graves wouldn't know her from Adam. Mm. He'd still, he'll, he'd still probably, you know, have one for her though. Oh well, sure, because he's a fucking horny old pervert. But you know, I mean, he wouldn't anything have with the a love pulse. that Data has. 
No, exactly. I mean, you know, he was checking out that random blue shirt that went by at one point. Like, yeah. I did, yeah. I really loved uh, Brent Spiner's acting in this episode. Yeah, it, no, was, he, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no. What, yeah, yeah, just watching him check out a, a woman walking by, I was like, that's hilarious. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that the transporter room funeral scene is perhaps the best seen in the next generation so far mm, data's, yeah. data's eulogy of yeah. graves just why the just the writing and performance and delivery and that's i don't know it was just really oh. I, I i thought it was excellent i but, found it going it went long enough that it was too long but not long enough that it was funny again so for me it was just kind of like painful oh really see i thought it was I thought it went. I think that that was the intention, right? Is that it went on way too long, and that was and that was why it was funny. At least that's how I. For me, it needed to be. I think it needed to have been a little longer for it to have been back to funny. Since I guess I don't they, know. Since, since when did they teleport you in your torpedo into space instead of torpedoing you? Well, he wasn't military. Uh, also, like, and why are they going to teleport the the the, the torpedo? Just shoot him out there. You didn't need the torpedo. Just let him float around. And why was he dressed like an old English king? Like Jacob, like Jacob Marley from a really bad community theater Well, they, they did say that Carol. it was his wishes, so maybe that was part of it. That's Just true. wrap me in silver gauze. Well, you know and let Data talk about me for 25 minutes. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that... Um, so I mentioned, I think, last week that the title of this episode is taken from... I'm assuming... Well, maybe it has another connotation as well, but... It's the it's the same title as an episode of The Prisoner. Yes, mm. there's a reason for that. And I don't know for some reason. So the the star of The Prisoner, Patrick McGowan, pa- Patrick McGowan, played Longshanks in Braveheart. I was gonna say Heathcliff. And like and like I, when I <laughs> and like I was looking at the I was looking at Ira Graves in no, the torpedo. Uh, like, story. It reminded oh, me. Yes. Like I don't know. I had like this weird like free association thing where I went from oh he looks like an old English king he looks like Longshanks Patrick McGowan the schizoid man it was like a weird free association it, it would have been an even, even closer association because they originally wanted Patrick McGowan to play this role oh to play Graves yeah and that's why they titled it the schizoid man so was he like a better they... looking man yeah I can't picture him I, for some reason I'm only picturing Captain Pike instead of Patrick, Patrick McGowan Patrick McGowan's a pretty handsome guy I thought you were going to say that you couldn't imagine someone being less attractive than the guy that played Ira Graves <laughs> You've seen Patrick McGowan. He is a recurring Columbo murderer. Patrick McGowan was... He was an actor. He was... Um, he, he created his famous shows were The Prisoner and The... Um, Secret Agent Man. And, yeah, Secret Agent Man or Danger Man, as it was called in the UK. And, uh, you know, he was like a Bond, a Bond-like figure. He was the guy... Okay, the, the one of Columbo I can remember off the top of my head was he was the commandant of that military academy. Remember that one? Where they were, like, making... The one where he killed somebody and then he, like, gaslights a woman for a while? No, that was the guy who was the lead in Green Acres. Green Acres is the place to okay. be. Let's take it back so we don't have to use any of this because this was boring. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, though, to get back to your point, Ames, they named the episode The Schizoid Man for the same reason they named it Shakari in Star Trek V. For Sean Connery, yep. Nice. So they're just the actor that they want to be in the movie or the they, TV they, they, show. They try to like lure them in some weird way. And they keep saying fuck off. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know what they said, but they could have just been busy. Anyway, I also read about this episode that the um, original story was an attempt to explore the, the dead colonists from Data lore and their memories oh, that were still in Data's head. And I guess there was an original storyline in which there would have been two memories in his head from two different men who were in a love triangle with, the, with a particular woman who visited. Mm. And then the woman he would meet in this episode... And then both sides of those two different personalities would, would perk up and be like, the woman, oh, Data's having like different kinds of memories and stuff. Huh. And they came up with this episode instead of any of that. Hmm. I mean, I can see the thread at least. Sometimes you're like, oh, here's the original episode. And you're like, how did we get here? Yeah, how did we yes. get from But I can see how we got from... Well, there was a there was a writer's strike, you see. Like, I don't know if this is from A to B, but I can see how we got from A to, like, F with this one, you know? Now there's a bad episode, but, you know, like, it's a longer chain, but I think I can kind of follow it. Yeah, that, that in a way, though, I'm kind of glad they didn't go with that, just because that whole, the colonists' knowledge stroke memories thing was so weird, I'm kind of glad that just kind of like, let's pretend we never said that. Well, the, the, if, the, if you can fix it and make it less weird, I just don't trust them to do it. Yeah, no, yet. exactly. It's it was... season two. We're not, we're not, yeah, we don't no, have good writers yet. Not yet. We're getting there. Things are better. I miss Guinan. Where's Guinan? She pops yeah, up she, now and yeah. again. I know. I want her back, though. There's an interesting... We should see if we can dig this up. There was a memo that Patrick Stewart sent to Gene Roddenberry and other producers on the show where he was like, here's some suggestions for the show. Here's like some things I don't like about the show, and here's something I think we should be doing. One of the things... More he, Wesley. Well, one of the things he put in there was more Guinan, because mm. he's like... You know, we don't, you know, because I guess Whoopi was only contracted to do a couple episodes per season. Mm. So, like, he's like, we should really use that character because it's an interesting character and people like it. We should see if we can dig that up. And, I'm, and like, one of the comments... And they I told read, Patrick to go fuck himself. And, like, I actually, I did, I did like, a nerd thing and, like, pointed, and like, did the research. Mm. Was that in, in his memo, he's like, you know, they're always going on away missions and they're always bringing their phasers with them. And yet we never like see like see you know do they train with their phasers like do they do they train target for... practice so in like the holodeck? so he suggested that there should be a shooting range on the ship where they go and practice their phasering. And was he like pro gun ownership or just pro gun safety? I think he was just like you know we should you know if they're going to be using these weapons they should be trained on them we should see that and I don't know yeah I mean, we should take it up and put it on the Facebook or something because uh, it it was interesting and then I I. Based on the date of the memo, I think, like, the next episode that aired, or, like, maybe, like, an episode that Ooh. aired, like, two weeks later, featured a gun range, featured the, the Enterprise, like, training range. range. Hmm. And I was like, wow, they really took his fucking suggestion seriously. Jesus. Not to pay more for extra whoopee, but... Well, right. Hmm. Which, I mean, I guess kind of makes sense. never pay for whoopee. Well, I was about to say, I feel it, like... It, it, oh, unless you're Iron Graves, maybe. Because I, I feel well, like that was sort of a point where she was doing quite well for herself, so she probably... Yeah, Sister Act was just on the horizon well, I, at that I, point, I right? Reading, I read somewhere, or maybe maybe it was something that one of you said on this show, so if it is, stop me, that um, she approached LeVar Burton about being, like, that's how, like, she, yeah. she wanted to be on the show, and she... Oh, okay. She, I, read, I read something like this. I, I don't know where that uh, uh, interview is now. Yeah. So, well, evidently, the way she ended up on the show in the first place is she knew LeVar Burton and was like, was like, hey, I would really like to be on Star Trek. Can you talk to somebody? So LeVar Burton said that to the producers, and they thought, oh, well, that's a joke. I mean, she's a big movie star. 
she's a comedian. Like, there's yeah. no reason why she would want to be on our show. And it turned, and then like she went back. She went, no, I actually want to be on your show because growing up, she was a huge Star Trek fan. She mm. and like Nichelle Nichols was like one of her idols and one of the reasons why she went into show business in the first place. Oh, that's an awesome story. Yeah. So she like was like, I'm doing this because you know, it's been my dream to be on Star Trek since I was a kid. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a cool story. No, it is. I'm not going to lie. I was waiting for that stuff about the memo to be a setup for toss salad and scrambled eggs. I oh. was braced for it. No, it's real. It's being serious. Like, I was like, all right, the whoopee thing's real. And you're like, ah. And also, I was like, oh, here it comes. It's going to be something about the canteen. No? I, okay. We just watched the episode where they help Martin write his, like, Frank Sinatra hit. Oh, no. It was so cute. It is now my headcanon that Martin is actually the writer of Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs. Nice. Yeah. That's right. I have headcanon for Frasier now, because that's what mm. a fucking nerd and I since am. Since we're talking about Frasier anyway, we should... We should. Yeah, we should acknowledge. Since our last recording... The, uh, the actor that played Martin. Has, uh, what was his name? John Mahoney. John Mahoney. Uh, passed away. And he was so young. Yeah, which was so 70, sad. 77. Which, was, which is crazy because like that show was what? Early, like 92, 93 it was, probably? Wasn't it like 1990 to like 2002? It was on for like oh, yeah, 12. Yeah, ran a long yeah. time. But it was like early. It was early 90s. Yeah. And he, and he probably, he looked... Like, that man did not age. No. no. He, like, he basically the same yeah, like, throughout. He started fast, out looking old and ended yeah, looking the same. fast forward. So he I, must thought, have been I thought he was cute 50s. when I was young. Yeah, no, so I, I actually... I was weirdly attracted to Martin as a I, I young looked, lady. I looked it up uh, when we first started watching the show. Don't judge me, Ames. Because those silver foxes, Caitlin? And, yeah, in reality, unless he, like... Their actual ages, uh, uh, John Mahoney and... Um, Frasier's? Chelsea Grammer. Chelsea Grammer. Grammer. Chelsea Grammer. Like Chelsea, Chelsea Grammer. I think John Mahoney was actually only like maybe sixteen years older than Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. And or something like that. So Kelsey Grammer did age in that show. Dude, he, he went yeah. downhill. But yeah, no, it's it yeah, I actually as you may have seen, listeners, I did share the passing of John Mahoney on the Facebook because it just felt appropriate because we've referenced that song so much at this stage. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think like the last two episodes of ours probably that are coming out yeah are going to have been released after his death. Yeah. So one of them like hopefully a couple people days don't later. think we're just being incredibly tasteless and like yeah, no. Well, no. Especially, especially knowing you. These are recorded. I, we would often, never be taken quite far in advance. Well, now that now that they know, like two or three weeks after the fact, yeah, they can look back and realize, oh, okay. yeah. no, it's too late. We've already lost them. Yeah, they're like, how dare you how joke can, about how John dare Mahoney? you mention Fraser when the man just died? So yeah, this was a good episode, but I don't have a ton to say about it. Unfortunately, exactly. Yeah, because I think I think some of it is because it was very streamlined in the, yeah. in the story. Like, didn't it didn't go out on a zillion tangents, and it had the story, and we're like, "Yep, this is Return to Tomorrow slash Requiem for Methuselah slash a little bit of some of the shows slash yeah. really fucking creepy." Yeah, I guess if if we were, I thought I thought Data was going to have an in one on that woman, but that got weird. Glad that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, thought he was going to do what? Have an in on the woman. Oh. But yeah, I, I the only sort of thing is like, and I don't know enough about this, but one thing that's always kind of fascinated me as an idea, and that is maybe just too deep of a conversation to have, or something I certainly don't have the right facts to have, is the idea of transferring one's consciousness into a computer. 
which is something people talk about as hopefully being sort of this pie-in-the-sky dream for future immortality for all of us. So we can, as the good doctor said, see the end of time. Yay. Supernova death forever. Yeah. But, like, (laughs) this is predicated on somehow tricking the consciousness into thinking it's continuing. Right? Because, like, in reality... Well, yeah, he hasn't, like, injected his soul into it. Well, well they even said that there's no consciousness. There's just the... the no, knowledge. that was at the end. Yeah, at the very end. But, but I mean, time when he's yeah. in Data. When he's still, like... If you could somehow put your mind into a mechanical body. Yeah. He specifically remembers putting the bi- mind into Data, too. And I don't well, doubt yeah. that you could make the copy of your brain remember the transition process. But... In reality, it seems like, and this is to an, almost a variant on the whole, does the transporter kill you thing? But in reality, you, fleshy you, it's not your literal whole... They're basically making a copy of your brain and putting it into this new body. And even if they kill the flesh you at the same time, there is a version of you that just dies. Well, right? I, I don't even think... I think it's worse than that. I think... Because here, here, so data was turned off during yeah. the process. Well, somebody, some, somebody had to turn data back on. on his butt. Right? He doesn't turn on his back on his own. Somebody had to switch him back on. I'm pretty sure what happened is Graves turned data off, downloaded his brain into data, turned data back on, and then data murdered him. Well, as Graves. Graves oh, in Data's body. It's a little like that magician movie. What was that movie? Uh, the Prestige. The Prestige. The Prestige. Yeah, the I, I'm pretty sure. Prestige. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I'm pretty sure Graves, like, I mean, not that didn't like, even occur. Like flesh and flesh and bone Graves was a willing murder victim. Yeah, he, like he did it knowing that he was going to do that, but he knew, like, okay, I'm going to download my brain, then I'll be in there and in here, and then the me that's in there is going to kill the me that's in here. And that's just how it'll be. Which adds a whole extra twist to his claim that the doctor died in his arms. Oh, yeah, there you go. shit! Uh, that's uh, that's how like because that that was something that occurred to me because I'm like oh like what what actually happened? I'm like no wait, I didn't even think of somebody that. had to turn data on. It actually did occur to me that I didn't understand how he would have got rebooted, but I never took it to that conclusion. That's, that's a big that's, conclusion. That's where I go with. I just kind of let it go. I was like, well, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> no, nope. sure, it's not something awful. Wait, but first you have to you have to touch dicks. <laughs> that's true. Oh, you know that's where his button is. Yeah, you you know, yeah, you know that like Graves when 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 he first woke up, he's like, "Well, listen, before I kill myself, let me wank myself." (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, I do. I am always. I've always been fascinated by that idea of like touching from at least one perspective. (laughs) You're still just dying. Yeah, you know, and and maybe you can kind of fool the mind in a way, but it's it's a weird thought, and I don't think it's something in a lot of these people. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird, because yeah. if you do believe in the soul, then you are believing that somehow the soul is tied in with your neurons and whatever it is that is copyable to Engrams. hardware. And if you don't believe in the soul, then it's just like, well, no, I'm, I'm deleting a version of myself, ultimately. Well, I believe in the soul, but I don't necessarily believe it's something you could download into a computer. Well, yeah. there's all, but here's the thing, there's also, and we'll get to this, I mean, there's there's going to be an episode eventually, it's not for a while. That, Spoilers! You know, yeah. don't. Let's I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm just going to say there's going to be an episode where we will actually confront the issue of what happens to the person that was on the receiving end of being transported up. Mm. You know? Yeah, um, oh, I know what you're talking about. Two Vicks. 
Well, there's, there's that type of stuff. I mean, transporter accidents are a thing. And then there's also this concept that, like, there's a transport buffer. Like, that's always been an interesting thing to me. That's like, yeah, a beam is not just, like, A to B. It's, like, A to transport buffer. Yeah. Which is apparently just, like, a hard drive. Yeah. To, to B. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's an intermediary place where you go. And... People can. It's actually possible to store. Is that Voyager episode we just watched? Yeah. Yes. And you actually specifically asked me during the episode. Well, I wasn't paying attention. Could somebody hide in the transport buffer? I'm like, that's the plot of the episode we've just watched. No, that's the plot of the episode you watched. I walked in about halfway through and started watching. No, you were sitting there the whole time. (laughs) No, but I. You're like a child walking in the middle of a movie. Yes. (laughs) I don't pay attention. Ah. Oh, oh, I, oh Donnie, while. you're way out of your league. Yeah, yeah, you're okay. out of your element. You're out of your element. Yeah. But yeah, the short version is there's a lot of issues with continuity of consciousness in Star Trek. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But and yeah. any kind of speculative fiction that involves the transference of thoughts into a computer or mechanical body or whatever. Well, I think it's time. Uh, let me jake us out here. So, that, I think, just about does it for these two episodes. I think, pick a, a straw poll of the room. Good good week, I'd say. Yeah, yeah it was good. Good yeah. week. Good week for good beards. Week. Good week for beards. Good week for creeps. Good week for... Creeps with beards. People that think their Freaks shit don't stink. Geeks. And, uh, yeah. People that think their beards not don't stink. Not such a great week for the chorus of translators. And, and not a... And got flayed and evaporated. Not a good week for Wesley, either. Because he was disrespected often. That was fine. That was fine. <laughs> I liked it. I just mean that. Yeah, he him. needs to be taken down a peg before he winds yeah, up like his, Gray's or He thinks his shit don't stink. Mm. Yeah. Wesley. I mean, his actually doesn't, though, so. Um, yeah, he has it beamed out into space, so no one has to smell it. That's right. That was his latest science experiment. Well, next week we're going to be doing a couple more episodes. Shocking. Uh, of Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a, a change. In a twist, we're going to do another episode. Well, sometimes we say next week we're going to do this, and then ne- the following week we do something else. Yeah, we suddenly have a surprise like, 10 forward. Like, we got to do one of those soon. Well, next week we won't be. We'll be doing... How do you know? I, I don't know. Maybe something will come up. Next week our episodes are going to be uh, TNG Season 2 episodes, Unnatural Selection. That's Unnatural Selection. As contrary to natural selection, as popularized by Darwin, naturalist Dar- Tar- Charles. Charles 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 Charwin Charles Charwin and Charles Narles Barkley. Dar- 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 <laughs> Lieutenant Barkley popularized unnatural selection. The other episode is a matter of Homer. Homer Simpson. Homer. Uh, no, for Homer from the Iliad. A matter uh, of honor. Oh, honor. I'm sorry. I thought that said Homer. No, I didn't actually think it said home. I, no, I, I knew, don't I, say. I knew what it said. Uh, wow. No, a matter of honor and unnatural selection. That's what we'll be talking about next week. But this week we have talked about some other episodes. Yeah. And we're done. And we're done talking about those episodes. Where, where can you find us online, Jake? We're on the internet. SoundCloud. Sign on to your internet provider. We are on Facebook.com. Search for A Star to Steer Her By. That is our Facebook book. And some of you have already found us there. We've got, some, we've got some likes. Yeah, give us a thumbs up. Is it still a thumbs up to it like? Is. Or is it a it thumbs? is. Okay, yeah. give us a thumbs up. Thumbs up, man. Yeah. It's easy. You know, we're not, we don't spam. We put, you know, interesting shit out there on the Facebook, you know, articles, pictures, tunes. Uh, and here's the thing, like, you'll hear us talking about something on the show, 
Sometimes we'll post a link to it. Sometimes yeah. we'll forget entirely and never yeah. post it. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's also true. But if we didn't, and there's something you wanted, you could message us on Facebook and be like, hey, you mentioned some bullshit last week that you never followed up on, Good and we'd point. like to see it. Yeah. You know, and if you can't find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twiddler.com. Twitter. <laughs> Is that like a mix of Twitter and Foodler? Do you like tweet know. 140 characters of your order and hope you get the right thing I from somewhere? Graves is a twiddler. Oh, more like a diddler. Hey, that was a joke. Yucca. Um, so yeah, so twitter.com, our name there is SSHB Podcast. We're also SSHB Podcast on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> on Grindr.com. <laughs> it is, no, it's Tumblr. I know. Right? Yes. Grindr is, is a dating with, Is that the one that's spelled without an E? It yes. Is. Like Grindr, actually. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. What's that all about? I don't know. Internet. I don't know. Internet. Let's uh, let's get the shit. Damn kids. Um, no, we're not on Reddit. Uh, we're on other things, though. Uh, SoundCloud. Yeah. We're on SoundCloud. Start a see her by. iTunes. That's our main place. iTunes.com slash Apple. Um, <laughs> Google. Start a see her by. Get us. Subscribe. We have an RSS feed. I really thought eventually you'd get better at these outros. I think he I'm... is getting better at them. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like a fucking artist. <laughs> Do you see what he does? The maestro is at work here. He's like, he's like some kind of Andy Kaufman disaster. <laughs> it's amazing. The outros are longer than the oh, than the show synopses now. We get all... well. That's only because I'm also getting better. Listen, at the only reason I still do this is because nobody's told me to stop. Jake, stop. No, I mean the fans. <laughs> the fans love it. The fans tune in for this shit. They love to hear what the new thing is. The Apple thing. The SoundCloud and iTunes.com slash Apple. It's not the new thing. You do this every week. <laughs> yeah, but it's always a little different. It's oh never, my God, never the same. It's the same SoundCloud every week. Wait, that's your, that's your, but I do bust out SoundCloud quite a bit. Um, it's because for a while I think you actually thought that's what it was. All right, I'll do a comple- <laughs> I will do a completely credulous one. Well, thank you. You've been listening to A Star to Seer Herby. Uh uh, we you can find us online at uh, start a steer her by on fuck <laughs> I can't do a credulous one. That was your smooth <laughs> say your name. All right, fuck it. My name is Jake. This has been Chris. This has been Abe, and this is always Caitlin. I'm not gonna lie, I was waiting for that stuff about the memo. To be a setup for toss salad and scrambled eggs. I oh. braced for it. No, it's real. It's being serious. Like, I was like, all right, the whoopee thing's real. And you're like, ah. And also, I was like, oh, here it comes. It's going to be something about the canteen. No? I, okay. Speaking of which, so I do think we have to deconstruct something. Okay. Because I've been, th- I've been thinking about this since the last couple of weeks when we're doing the toss salad and scrambled egg. So I think I made a mistake because I said that I don't think the song makes a lot of sense. But I, the more I've been thinking about it and the more it's been playing over in my head, I think the song actually does make. Some amount of sense. Okay. So I'm going to, it's not going to take very long. Well, if you can throw it in at the end if you want, but I want to get this out. I want to get this on the record that I have deciphered toss salad and scrambled eggs. Okay. So here we go. Hey, baby, that's just a hook. That doesn't matter. So, yeah, I know. I hear the blues a calling. He's a calling radio show host. Yep. And there's for, he's a psychiatrist. So he's a therapist. So they're calling it the people with the blues, sad people. I hear the blues a calling. Toss salad and scrambling. Now that first just sounds a little weird. Like, what the fuck's this? Well, 
they're crazy. They're crazy people. They toss salad. They're all mixed up. Toss salad and scrambled eggs are mixed up. Sure. These people, they're all mixed up. Their emotions are all mixed up. Toss salad and scrambled eggs and mixed emotions, you know? So I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. And maybe I feel a bit confused. And maybe I feel a bit confused because, you know, I might be a little crazy myself. You know, I might have some emotional problems. But I've got you pegged. But I've got you pegged. I got the people. I, I can solve the problems for the people on the phone. Yeah. Even though I'm a little bit confused. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salad and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. They're call, they keep calling Bye. back. Bye. They never stop. And then Goodnight Seattle. That's a sign-off or whatever. That's where he... Yeah. Hot shit. I have solved tossed salad and scrambled eggs. I think I have earned the right to sing it. <laughs> hey baby, I hear the music calling. Tossed salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> okay, but what about the quite stylish? What the fuck is that about? I think he that, just thinks that he's was quite just a, stylish. That was a flourish. That was thrown in flourish. there. That does feel very Frasier. Yeah. We just watched the episode where his it dad... It more Niles than Frasier, honestly. Mm. Mm. 